0: We are going to talk about hope. We've been in this series we're calling "Faithful," and today we're saying we're faithful in hope. Um, hope is one of those words that gets used in in big ways and small ways. You know, you hope your team wins. Uh, mine did last night, amazingly, for a change. Um, you hope there is still ice cream in the in the freezer. Um, there is, and uh, and you hope to have enough for retirement. We'll see about that, right? I mean, you have these hopes, things that you experience. Things that you hope for, but hope itself is also something you can possess or that you can lack, right? You don't you don't hope to make it to heaven. You have hope because, as a believer in Jesus, you know you will spend eternity with the Lord in heaven. That's what gives you hope. Um, you you can be hopeful about something, or you can have hope because of your faith. Hope is not something that just happens passively, like you know, you know, um, you know, like the weather happens, or or you know, like your car breaks down and it needs to get repaired. Those things that sort of happen to you. Hope is something you choose. Hope's intentional. Uh, hope um, is is established. It's built on your faith. Hebrews says that that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, confidence of things not seen. But my question today is this, are you being faithful in hope? As um, in the past few weeks, as, as COVID has you know, finally subsided, the conversation um, I've had with some of my colleagues is that we sense people are not rebounding the way we had hoped they would. <laughs> there's that word. The way we'd expected they might. Uh, there's weariness. There's suspicion. There's fear uh and of course double digit inflation and a threat of a world war like that doesn't help the matter right and it's as though what we what we kind of observed it's as though you know people have lost hope for this life and they've forgotten about our hope in Christ and so that's where we're going to go today we have something from God's word to encourage one another and and to not only make us hopeful right but to remind us of the hope we possess that we have as followers of jesus and that is the imminent appearing of jesus so we um i know we touched briefly on this last week out of matthew 24 and as i as i kind of turned into this week i realized well there's some of it's a little bit redundant or repetitive from last week but it's just so important and uh, especially in light of all we've been through in these last couple of years and what we're facing going forward, I thought it'd be valuable to visit this again. So we're going to be in First Thessalonians chapter four. We're going to pick it up at verse thirteen. And um, because it's a fairly long passage, um, it's okay if you re- remain seated for this. But I'm going to pick it up at chapter four, verse thirteen. First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians is one of those smaller New Testament letters. So um, get past the big ones like Romans and. Uh, Corinthians and Galatians, and then finally you'll dig down to, to Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. He writes this, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with the loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Chapter 5. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. And so then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. All right, well, there's lots in there. Of course, we can't dig into absolutely everything, but... um, I want to mention first the backstory, which is one of the reasons I, I appreciate the letters to the Thessalonians. Is is they're kind of a unique situation. Paul and Silas is on Paul's second missionary journey. Remember, Paul had been sent out Acts thirteen. You read Paul, kind of the lead pastor of the of the church in Antioch of Syria, was sent out on missionary work, and uh, and he comes back, and there's a bunch of things that happen, and then he goes out a second time. And in Acts 17, he gets to Thessalonica. And while there, he has just three Sabbaths, three weeks with the Thessalonians before he's kind of kicked out and sent on his way. Um, But in that time, people came to faith in Jesus. They got a crash course in the gospel and then they were on their own just three weeks and they are at church trying to figure it out. Imagine that. I mean, it takes us three weeks just to kind of like figure out who's going to order the coffee, right? I mean, like they're they're up and running. And uh, it's pretty amazing. So that's a pretty steep learning curve. And so Paul's letters to them were, were just crucial. And one of the issues that they were facing is that people were thinking that if they were not alive when Jesus returns, uh, they would miss out on eternity with him. As though this physical body was your only shot at, at spending eternity with the Lord. That you've got to be kind of in this body and alive. And if you die... Too bad for you, you're in the ground. Well, Paul needed to correct that. And he writes this, verse 13, we saw this right where we started. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed or ignorant about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope sleep is uh is a is a is the word is the kind of the euphemism or the soft word for those who have died those who have passed away those who have have you know we've laid to rest um you know my grandfather is in his body is in a in a cemetery and on his headstone it says he is not dead but sleepeth that's kind of the, the statement and so i would kind of always raise with this notion that when you sleep you're you're not really dead you i mean when you die you're not really dead you're kind of asleep in this sense. See, if the death of a loved one was the absolute end for them, then yes, you'd have reason to be hopeless. But death is not the absolute op, absolute end. For example, sort of like this, um, you know, when my wife Becky leaves for work in the morning and she says, okay, I'm leaving. You know, I don't get depressed. I'm thinking, you know, I have hope that she will be back. There is a country song about that. What kind of gone are we talking about? Some of you know that song. And I know I'll see her later, so I have hope. And and for Christians, it's it's sort of the same for our loved ones who pass away. Yes, we're sad. Yes, we miss them desperately. Yes, there's sometimes it's utterly tragic. But we have hope because they fell asleep with the Lord. There's a guy, runs a ministry, if you're... Want to kind of get some great teaching on this? A ministry called Behold, Israel. Just you can look that up on on YouTube or I think it's Facebook, the other social channels. Um, Amir Sarfati, and and he described it this way. He says it's like a child who falls asleep in the car, and they wake up in their bed. That's what it's like. You will fall asleep in this earth, and you will wake up in the presence of the Lord. Isn't that good? So, we don't live with that heaviness that the world lives with that doesn't have hope. In other words, if you're taking notes this morning, you might want to write it this way. Our hope is greater than our grief. Our hope is greater than our grief. And that's not to minimize grief, right? Some of the people, some of the people in this room, like you might be one of them, you have lost a a, a sibling, a spouse, a child, Right, the grief was crushing. I I think about those of you who lost a child before the child was was born, and you didn't even get to hold them and greet them. Like that level of loss can't be just you can't just kind of sweep that away. That's a real loss. But the sparkle of hope comes in this that you will see your loved one again including the unborn ones, not as they were here on this earth, but as God has intended for them in new, glorious, eternal bodies. Paul, the apostle, teaches about that. For example, you can look at Corinthians 5. If you're taking notes, just jot that on your side. Second Corinthians 5. And you can look that up later. So our hope is greater than our grief. Verse 14 says, For we believe that Jesus died... And rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Okay, this is now an amazing thing, right? Jesus is going to bring back those who have already died, but he's not going to bring them back with their bodies because their body is in the earth or it's been committed to ashes or whatever's happened to them. So they don't come in bodily form. They return in soul form because we see in verse 16, look at this next one, verse 16. The Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with a trumpet call of God. That's going to be very impressive. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Okay, well, how can he be bringing them back and they rise? This is a bit of a puzzle, isn't it? Well, I, as I understand it, what happens, Jesus is bringing with him those who have died, if they died as believers, okay? Or if they died before they were old enough or able to make that decision. And their bodies will be raised as permanent new restored bodies to join with their soul. And then after the dead in Christ are raised, then we who are still alive will also be caught up to be with Jesus and with all the rest. Those who have died are, those of us who are alive, living are not going to get in line ahead of those who have died. They get to go first. But we join them in the air. Just like that. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. It sounds like a crazy science fiction thing, doesn't it? Like some weird thing. But Paul says, well, we know this is true because we know Jesus was raised from the dead. So, And we saw the disciples witness Jesus returning to heaven in that same way. So it may seem like a long way off until you see that loved one again. I want you to remember the believer who has died or that child who has passed away is far better off now than you or I are. <laughs> they really are. Now, when's, just a comment, when someone's in the rawness of fresh grief, you don't, it really doesn't help to say, oh, they're in a better place. That's, it's not the moment for that. That's the moment for the hugs and the tears. We grieve with those who grieve. We mourn with those who mourn. We rejoice with those who rejoice. But there will come a day when they will be able to understand, okay, That's, that's embedded in that hope that we have in Christ. And the real delight is coming when we will be raptured up with Jesus. The word rapture, is from the Latin word for the Greek word for cut up, snatched away, taken quickly. If you're a follower of Jesus, you will be raptured when Jesus appears in the clouds. It's like this. Every believer has an upcoming in-air appointment. Every believer has an upcoming in-air appointment. There's a Turkish word I've learned for I have an appointment. The word is rendezvous. And I think about that word. I think it's a rendezvous. I love it. Verses 16 and 17 again. The Lord himself will come from heaven and we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever so jesus doesn't come all the way down and scoop us up we meet halfway now if you've never made it to the grand canyon or if you've never seen the eiffel tower or you've never walked the great wall of china don't worry about it don't worry about it a day is coming and soon that you will be with the lord forever and nothing on this earth nothing whether God created it or whether it was human made, nothing will hold a candle to the awesome amazingness and splendor of heaven. That should encourage us. That should encourage you. Twice, Paul says, this conversation is for your encouragement. Verses 18 and then again of chapter 5 verse 11. If the coming of, if the coming appearance of Jesus does not induce hopeful anticipation for you, then ask the Lord, why? Jesus, why is, why does, why does this do nothing for me? Like, why am I not excited about your return? Ask Him to help you understand that. Now I know as a young single guy, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to, to see Jesus but I wanted to get married first and then, and then once I was married I want to have kids first and I want to experience all the things in, in this life that, that we expect but in truth it's because I did not and really appreciate the magnificence of His coming I didn't grasp, I didn't understand just how spectacularly beyond description this experience will be And so for those of us who aren't that excited yet about Jesus' return, maybe we're indifferent or nonchalant or confused or whatever it is, let me leave you with this last thought. Hope is refreshed in readiness. Hope is refreshed in readiness. So... I know Christians used to sing more songs about heaven and about the return of, of Jesus. We sang some this morning. We sing several here. One, one beloved old song is a hymn called It Is Well and includes this really hopeful stanza. And Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight. Like when I finally get to see what I believe. The clouds be rolled back. Like a scroll just opened up. The trump shall resound, the trumpet blast, and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. That's an anticipation. It won't be well for everyone, Paul warns. So Paul gives a couple keys i think to our readiness for the lord's return the first is to remember that the lord's appearing will be sudden and catch many off guard verse two verse two says for you know very well that the day of the lord will come like a thief in the night chapter five verse two right for those who are ready it's going to be the best day ever nothing like it and for those who are not verse three says destruction will come on them suddenly they will be horrified by what they experience no one likes to be surprised, but it happens. If you if you had children or if you've had grandkids, I don't know. Have you ever have you ever woken up to a child standing beside your bed? It's not a thief in the night, but it's almost as scary. <laughs> it's just oh, your heart just like oh, right. Suddenly it will happen. And the second, so so the the first key is really is to remember the Lord's appearing will be sudden. The second key, I think, to our readiness is to understand your identity in Christ. Verse 5 says, You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. The believer cannot afford to be careless or reckless in these last days. Time matters. Days and minutes count. Paul says we have to be awake and sober rather than drunk and sleepy. Okay, how do you stay awake and sober in these days? You might be familiar with the beloved Scripture out of Ephesians chapter 6, which names six pieces of spiritual armor and and weaponry that we prepare ourselves for battle. Here Paul boils it down to just, just two items. Verse eight, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Faith and love is a breastplate. Hope of salvation is your helmet. Right? Faith and love, that's your heart, your will, your emotions, all those things. And salvation, your salvation hope, right? The mind. Both heart and mind are committed to walking daily with Jesus. And this is readiness. Choosing to walk in faith and love, which is a benefit to yourself and a benefit to others. And staying engaged in your mind, spiritually speaking, for the hope of salvation. It means you're not flirting with fancy new doctrines or cultural notions of what the gospel is. Readiness is an alert choice. That's what 30 years of reading each other's minds will do. Okay, we got to wrap this up. How can I wrap this up? Um, Christy, why don't you go ahead and bring the worship team back to the platform. Let's Let's wrap this up by coming back to Jesus. Why did Jesus die for you and for me? Why did Jesus die for you and for me? Is it so that you and I could have amazing, trouble-free, sinless... You know, addiction-free lives. Is that why Jesus came back? I hope not, because that ain't happening. Did Jesus die as some sort of cosmic stunt to prove to the devil who He is and that He could do it? Did He, did Jesus die on the cross because He had pity on us? Did Jesus go to the cross to make you comfortable? No, no. Jesus went to the cross out of obedience to the Father, proving the father's love for you and for me, remember Romans 5, 8 says, while, this is how God chose his love. While you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. Okay. That's the father's love. But verse 10 gives us the motivation. He died so that there's the motivation word. So that whether we are awake living or asleep, we may live together with him. Got it. Okay. Jesus, here's your motivation for Jesus going to the cross. Jesus wants your company. He wants to be with you. Now, whether alive, and for eternity. Whether we are awake, okay, or asleep. Awake, living in this life, or dead in this life. That's why Jesus went to the cross. He wants you to be with Him pers- permanently, personally and permanently. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with Him. And that's why He will soon return. He's going to finish on what He started. He will appear in the heavens to call us to Himself. His triumphant return to earth and and ruling over the earth is going to come later, but first He gathers up His church To take us to heaven. Verse 9 says, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Will you be ready? Will you be awake and sober for the Lord's return? Two responses. Two responses today. One, if the return of Jesus somehow rattles you, makes you nervous, gives you anxiety, then it's time to get right with Jesus. Bottom line. I would ask this. Do you possess the helmet of salvation? The hope that you have. Second, if the return of Jesus thrills you, makes you excited, brings a tear to your eye, stirs something good in you, that's good. Then be ready with the breastplate breastplate of faith and love, helping others to be ready as well. We don't live in fear. We live in hope. People around you are living in a lot of fear. We don't live there. We don't dwell there. Yes, we have moments where we're scared. Yes, we have moments where we're uncertain. Yes, we have moments of anxiety, but we give all those things. We cast all our cares on him. We bring all our anxieties to him. Why? Because we have hope in him. Because we know he can deal with it. Some of you are dealing with some big decisions. You're wrestling with things in your life. You're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do either, but I know where to go. because we have this great, great promise of being gathered up to Jesus for eternity. And Paul says, encourage each other with these words, with this message. He will soon return to gather his own. Wow. So good. So good. Thanks for listening. Know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com.